This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Buck Sexton here in for Glenn Beck today on the Glenn Beck Radio program. Thank you very much for joining. Great to have you. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. You can call at any time. We can certainly have a chat here. So you would think at this point perhaps the media would at least take a break from its constant effort to come up with some way, some means of destroying the Trump presidency in its infancy, in fact, destroying it before it has ever come to be. Uh, Maybe they would focus on Obama's legacy for his last few months in office. Maybe they would decide, for whatever reason, that they had other things to do than just try to constantly fearmonger and come up with different reasons that Donald Trump is going to destroy the country. It's not an exaggeration. I wish I could say it was. It's not actually something that is beyond the pale for a lot of the writers out there, a lot of the journalists. They really seem to think that we are on the precipice of the, I don't know, the annihilation of the United States of America, something along those lines. And one of the ways that they're trying to get that point across is to suggest pretty openly uh, that there is some major rise in what you would have to, uh, well, what they term, white nationalism, uh, white supremacism, all all these different terrible ideologies are supposedly on the rise now because of Donald Trump. So much so that the New York Times gave, what was this, just uh, a day or two ago, they were writing a piece about the alt-right exulting in Donald Trump's election with a salute, Heil, H-E-I-L, um, as in the German, victory. So I suppose we're supposed to take from this that the Trump presidency is somehow what? Tied to neo-Nazism? Tied to white supremacy and white nationalists? That's the connection that they seem to want to make. And you'd have to ask yourself, is this the only instance in which a tiny fringe group that has no political power in this country, that is widely and rightly and completely reviled, that is a few hundred people? We'll get into the numbers in a moment. There was actually a fantastic piece that was making the rounds last week from somebody who hates Trump saying, I've got an idea. Stop pretending that Trump is 
a Nazi. Stop pretending he's Hitler. Stop saying that white supremacy is the only reason that anyone voted for Trump. You are, as the title of the piece stated, crying wolf again. This is what they are doing. This is what the left-wing media is doing, the New York Times, all the rest of them. They are crying wolf. They're finding some means to tie a hateful but obscure and unimportant group to a Trump presidency. And the connective tissue between these two things is flimsy. And so it's a lot of insinuation. It's a lot of, well, we heard that some of the group's members are very happy about the Trump victory. Uh, You could find all sorts of wackos out there who have politics of one sort or another. If you go back and look at some of the biggest mass shooters in U.S. history, some of them had long political manifestos that supported maybe one party or another or one candidate or another at some point in time. Does that destroy the legitimacy of that political party? Are we to be held responsible, we being anybody, for whomever votes within the party that we affiliate or that we are affiliated with, given that we're talking about tens of millions of people, there's going to be some crazies in there. There's going to be some bad people. But it's not about accuracy for the left with this anti-Trump mania. And it really is a mania. It's gone beyond anything that is rational. I keep telling my Democrat friends, I'm trying to explain to them on a regular basis, you got a better candidate for your interests with the Trump victory than many of the other options that were out there on the right. Trump is going to make deals with you. I think it was even this past weekend there was an SNL sketch where, they, where Trump said, he, oh, the wall, forget it, this uh, Obamacare, leave it. I don't think he's going to do that because the people who voted for him would turn on him and be very unhappy. But on a lot of other issues... Um, Gay marriage, for example, one of the ones that gets a lot of attention for those who are hyperbolic in their hatred for Trump. No indication that he would touch that. In fact, there's plenty of indication that he's been, uh, that he is rather uh, supportive of gay marriage. And when you had that bathroom bill fight over transgender rights, Trump said that people can use whatever bathroom they want, if you will recall. Didn't get a lot of attention on the campaign trail from the media because That wasn't really part of the anti-Trump script. What do you mean he's open to letting individuals who are transgender use whatever bathroom they want? That's not the Trump we're trying to create out there in the media. We're trying to create some some kind of monster. Attila the Hun with a swooping side part. We're trying to make people scared. But Trump is not Hitler. Not Not by a mile, not even close. And to say so is irresponsible and it's wrong. To insinuate that that's the situation is wrong and irresponsible. And it just damages all of us. It hurts the prospects of reaching some sort of accommodation in the middle, finding issues upon which left and right can at least agree somewhat. They are out there. They do exist. How much coverage have you, she- have you seen, for example, of Donald Trump wanting to spend a trillion dollars uh, on infrastructure? Obama's been talking about spending money on infrastructure for quite a while. We're $20 trillion in debt. I'm sure a lot of you who are limited in government and not particularly enthusiastic about the idea of running up Uncle Sam's credit card even further into the red, but maybe Trump will do a good job. Maybe there's a case to be made for 
some infrastructure spending. At least it's a conversation we could have. You'll hear none of that. No, instead, the New York Times and other outlets, the Washington Post, they want to cover a neo-Nazi rally in Washington, D.C., the alt-right and neo-Nazis and whatever the connections are between those two. Alt-right, a term that I just heard for the first time, and I am on the right, certainly not on the alt-right, maybe six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. So this seems to be a relatively new phenomenon of mostly Internet trolls who, of course, have a magnified presence on the web because the whole point of being a troll is that you say the sorts of things, you act in a way with your digital presence, whatever it may be, that you get maximum attention, that you annoy people. So you have a band of digital trolls. You have a few hundred white supremacists. You go and look on the Southern Poverty Law Center's website, for example, and you'll see what the estimates are for how many actual white supremacists there are in the country. Um, You can take a look at the numbers. Actually, back to that piece on Slate Star Codex. I I have the author's name here. I will get to it. It's Scott Alexander. Hates Trump. Thinks he's terrible. Thinks he's a liar. Thinks he's a buffoon. Also hates it when people say that he is a Nazi or that he's supported by Nazis and that means that therefore he's a part of National Socialism in America or any of that. Not just intellectually lazy, but dangerous stuff that's out there. This is dangerous to say. Some of us were warning for quite a while, for example, that Black Lives Matter wasn't just a movement meant to reform police activity and to improve police community relations in predominantly minority areas of the country because the rhetoric that they were using, stop killing us, stop murdering us, rhetoric that I heard myself at rallies, signs that I read, photos that I was able to take at those rallies, that made it seem as though the overwhelming idea behind this wasn't reform, it wasn't bringing people together, it wasn't stopping police brutality. It was that there is a plague of racist murdering cops who hunt young black men in this country. That sort of rhetoric leads to violence because some people will believe it and act upon it. And that has happened in the past. It may have happened within the last few days as well. So rhetoric matters. Saying that Donald Trump is in some way a closet neo-Nazi or a member of the alt-right or any of this, that major newspapers are spending much of their time trying to create these affiliations, trying to make it seem like that's happening, just shows you how desperate they are to destroy this administration from the get-go. No leeway, no honeymoon, no effort at all to even allow the possibility of national unity on any issue. Destroy. They are in seek and destroy mode with Donald Trump. They want to do nothing else other than that. The media wants to make sure that his campaign, or rather that his candidacy, uh, comes to naught. Um, You see this coverage that's happened of the meeting in D.C., and I... Part of me feels bad talking about it, although it's already out there in all the major newspapers, right? We shouldn't give this more attention, in a sense. And I, I understand this, the push-pull, the, the back and forth between whether you want to debunk the breathless exaggerations and lies of the leftist media or you want to just move on to other issues. I promise you today we'll also talk about 
some of the Trump promises for the future, some of the things that he says will happen in the first hundred days of his candidacy, the very interesting and worthwhile back and forth between those in the Trump camp and the Republican Party about whether TPP, for example, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, is a good idea. These are things that affect all of us. These are issues that affect the economy. These are issues that may have an impact directly on your job, whether we're talking about taxes or trade agreements, perhaps even infrastructure spending, any number of things. But those are areas where they have to engage with the ideas of not just Donald Trump, but now the Republican Party, which is in quite a powerful position. They'd rather not do that. They'd rather write articles talking about how Donald Trump has expanded the Overton window, named for a guy called Overton, last name Overton, who figured that there was sort of acceptable political discourse and there were some things considered extreme and some things that were considered within that window and that some politicians and some figures can come along and either contract or expand the window of what is allowable to discuss in public and what is not. Donald Trump has expanded the Overton window here, but he's done it in such a way that there's more speech, not less. He's done it in such a way that now we can actually have a worthwhile back and forth over whether this country has become, has become so politically correct that it stifles even the most important issues of public policy and debate. Never mind trying to be sort of polite around your relatives over the Thanksgiving holiday or something. We're talking about a political correctness where all of a sudden half the country isn't allowed to feel the way it feels because the other half is going to shout them down, call them racist. Part of what upsets the left so much here and why you see the doubling down of a racism at all costs and racism, at, racism accusations at all costs and that as the primary strategy to undermine the Trump administration is because the institutional left media has such an investment in that, has created such an infrastructure for using accusations really of racism. There are others out there too, misogyny, uh, xenophobia, Islamophobia. Those really don't destroy people. Racism destroys people. Racism as an accusation ends careers, gets people fired, makes their friends and neighbors not want to be seen with them or talk to them. It's become an incredibly powerful tool. Donald Trump withstood all of that. The media doesn't want to let it go. The New York Times, the Washington Post, all the rest of them, they don't want to let it go. They have to finish Trump's uh, presidency with he is a racist. If that doesn't happen, if they haven't convinced enough people in this country that either he is racist or you are racist for supporting him, by the way, they feel like they will have failed. It's immature. It's a, it's a mania. It's deeply destructive to everything that's happening in this country, to all the discussions we should have. But there are reasons why, once again, they are crying wolf. This has been the most effective strategy they have in the past. They don't want to have to engage with ideas. They'd rather just throw names out there and give a huge platform and a lot of attention to a couple of hundred imbeciles getting together, pretending that somehow they know something about history and Hitler and a bunch of buffoons, a bunch of morons. Nobody cares. 
except the New York Times and the Washington Post, because they can highlight these imbeciles and say, how far are these, how far are these idiots from the 60 million who voted for Donald Trump? I'm, they're, New York Times just asking questions. They're just asking questions. It's a disgrace, isn't it? All right, Buck's accident for Glenn. We'll be right back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine, and they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep. Casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn, $50 off the purchase of your mattress at Casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. Beck. Buck Sexton here in for Glenn Beck today on the Glenn Beck program. Phone lines are open, 888-727-BECK. Do give us a call. We'd love to chat with you. So this has now become one of the favorite games of the media, though, is every, every time you see five people somewhere, or, or 50, or who cares, it's insignificant, it's small, gathering together saying they're white nationalists or they're alt-white or, or they're the Klan or I, I don't even, whatever. Holding up their hands saying, hey, I'm a racist moron. Uh, anytime this happens somewhere, you're going to have this, oh, has Trump denounced yet? Has he denounced yet? You may think to yourself, well, wasn't there that whole problem where David Duke of the KKK endorsed Donald Trump? No, he actually never endorsed him. I think he said some positive things about Trump. He didn't formally endorse him. Also, who cares? Uh, and Trump said many times over the course of the campaign that he disavows that and that that's, these are bad people and he doesn't like them. There was one time where he didn't say it quickly enough and, and sort of spaced out, it seemed to me, in an interview. And then the next day he's like, yeah, of course I disavow it. That's terrible. But the only one you heard about was the day when he was on that interview on CNN and they felt like he wasn't vociferous enough in his denunciation of David Duke of the KKK, who... I, I haven't even heard of this guy in years. It's been a long time since anyone's mentioned the name David Duke, but when it comes to Donald Trump. And now you have the transition team receiving criticism on CNN from uh, David Gergen. Just because, I don't know, I don't, David Gergen's over there talking about the Trump transition team. This is what he had to say. Play clip one. The fear that spread across the country about what's coming and the denials that there was any racism in the administration, there was any sort of anti-Semitism in the new incoming administration. Here we have a blatantly 
anti-Semitic, blatantly racist, anti-woman, all the different things you can think of. And, and, and they've declared this is a white nation. And it, we are for whites, this is conquer or die. Now, that's terrible messages around the country to people of color, to Jews and to so many others. Yeah, we all know nobody likes these people. What is what is the Republican administration have to do with any of this? Oh, no, they have to they have to denounce this. No, they have nothing to do with this. This is not their problem. Does the Democratic Party have to constantly, anytime the new Black Panther Party gets together and says some crazy stuff, does the Democratic Party have to get together and be like, whoa, we denounce them? Are they going to be asked about that on national TV? I mean, this is just nonsense that's going on here. There are real things to talk about in the country. The Trump team is going to have very serious problems ahead, trying to get them to focus on some bunch of idiots. It's just a waste of everybody's time. Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. is the Glenn Beck Program. Buck Sexton here in for Glenn Beck today on the Glenn Beck Program. (laughs) I mean, this is, wow. Even for Donald Trump, he had a media summit with some very powerful figures in in the media in attendance. Um, And it was described, now it was off the record, so that's always interesting because you've got people who are relying on sources that are really not supposed to be talking to tell you about this meeting. And it was off the record, but here's what we know according to the Post, and I think it's on CNBC, a few other places too, that this media summit with Trump and some of the most powerful figures in in, uh, TV news was like a blanking firing squad. Wow. Quote, Trump started with CNN chief Jeff Zucker and said, I hate your network. Everyone at CNN is a liar and you should be ashamed. The the quote goes on. The meeting was a total disaster. The TV execs and anchors went in there thinking they would be discussing the access they would get to the Trump administration, but instead instead they got a Trump-style dressing down. There were 30 or 40 people, including big news anchors from all the networks in attendance. So Trump more or less pulled together the media equivalent of a a meeting of the five families, right? He he brought them all into one room. And they're thinking that he's going to probably say, hey, let's let bygones be bygones. I'm going to be the president. Let's all be friends and let's talk. And there'll be a lot of transparency for my administration, that sort of thing. And instead, he let them have it, uh, and did not, go, did not go the way they thought it would. Uh, <laughs> it's, Trump's spokesman, uh, spokeswoman, Kellyanne Conway, said, quote, excellent meetings with the top executives of the major networks, pretty unprecedented meeting we put together in two days. So I don't know. If you listen to Kellyanne, it was 
fine. It was fine. It was no problem. If you listen to these anonymous sources speaking to the Post and others, oh my, it was quite a throwdown. How could Trump not, at some level, harbor deep resentment for the way the media continues to treat him? Look, it was one thing when it didn't look like he was going to win, right? It was one thing when, was it the Huffington Post or was it BuzzFeed? Or maybe it was basically both, I don't really recall now, but decided that they would cover our president-elect now as, what was it, comedy or enter- entertainment it was, as, as entertainment, not as news. It was going to go in the entertainment section. Oh, who's laughing now? Uh, Trump won. And yet the media still not only tries to undermine him all the time, there is, as I've discussed with you before, including yesterday, this effort out there to make sure that there's no normalization because he's abnormal. He's out of the mainstream. You could say he's outside the Overton window. People claim that he's the one that's moving it. Well, they're trying to say that he himself is outside of, of civil discussion about all these things. Um, that's a pretty astounding place for the media to be. And that they'd be so dressed down uh, shows you that he doesn't care. They're not going to turn around and decide that they like him. He doesn't need them. What is he, almost 70 years old? Guy's worth whatever it is, a billion, a few billion. Doesn't care what the media thinks. They're not going to change their mind. The one thing they won't undo is tell the entire country you're a racist. So that's for people who thought that this was all one big game for Trump, that this was just the biggest reality TV show he had ever been in. you got to think to yourself, well, did he really want to be considered or be called at least a racist by every major media outlet across the country? Would this be good for his businesses? Would this be good for the future of his family name, which is estimated by him literally to be worth billions of dollars? I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but the point here being that's certainly out there. He thinks that his name is very important. He thinks that it's a means for future Trump generations to be making money. He's taking a lot of heat on all this. Media doesn't un-racism you. That doesn't happen. You don't get to come back from this in their eyes. So he figures, why not just let them know that he knows what they're all about, and he's going to tear into them a little bit. And what are they going to do? Go on TV and say bad things about him? They're already there. They've already spent all that they've got. It's like they've been firing a BB gun at a freight train all this time and they didn't know it. It's not stopping him. He doesn't care. And I think that for a lot of people across the country, whether it's you at home worried that you say the wrong thing, even when talking about politics and all of a sudden your friends kind of look at you strangely or even worse if you're at the office and you make a comment that you think is completely within the realm of acceptable political discourse, and all of a sudden you're in the HR office. They're like, we need to have a talk with you about uh, the comments that you made. What kind of, that was like the law until a year ago, and now, now I'm going to be fired for that? Well, this is a violation of HR policy 272. This is what we all deal with. We're all sick of it. People see what Trump does, and they think to themselves, at least somebody can be beyond this. At least somebody doesn't have to cower in fear every time someone in the media wants to, you know, shake the racism sign in their face. There's a sort of a, a, a catharsis for many of us, a sense that, oh, well, at least we, we're sort of living vicariously through Trump's invulnerability on this. Because everybody's sick of it. 
Everybody who's not playing that game is tired of it. I certainly know I am. You can take some calls. 888-727-BECK is the number. We got uh, Mark in Florida online. Mark, good to talk to you. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. I hope I don't. I uh, hope I come across eloquent and not sounding like a uh, complete blathering idiot. Um, first and foremost, uh, I'm Jewish. I'm conservative in, in, in my in my Jewish. And and the, the thing is, is that the reform movement, which is the largest movement of Judaism in the country, which is so far off what Judaism is all about, is bashing and completely bashing everyone else who doesn't fall within what they feel should be the norm. They're bashing Trump, they're bashing the administration, and they're calling the rest of us anti-Semitic. They're calling other Jews anti-Semitic. And I had a reformed person tell me through, through Facebook yesterday that uh, when they come for the Jews, they hope I'm first in line for the gas chambers. I don't get this. These people, the, the left movement of reformed Judaism, which is supposed to be the most tolerant, most liberal, most understanding, is absolutely breeding intolerance in this country. And it is not what Judaism is, is, is about, and it's not what this country is about. And, and they, get, they have no understanding of what's going on. They have no understanding of, of what's happened to the uh, U.S. relationships with Israel over the past eight years and how it's deteriorated so bad and how the new administration is going to correct that. They, they, have, they have no clue as to what is going on um, with the economy. Uh, they, they, they believe everything they hear in the media. Mark, let me and ask you, what do you, they, what do you they, say they to your friends who are, out. Mark, hold on a second. What do you say to your friends who are Jewish when, uh, or, or let me ask, do they say to you that they believe Trump is an anti-Semite? That's another media meme that's out there right now. What, do oh, do yeah. you hear that? And oh, what do you yeah. say to them? I, and I, I said, if he's such an anti-Semite, how come his children are married? How come his daughter has become orthodox? Look at his, his son-in-law. How can, how can he be anti-Semitic? Oh, because some of the things he said. Show me. Show me anything that he has said, show me, um, show me, show me anything that uh, Bannon has specifically said that's anti-Semitic. Show me anything that anyone in his cabinet has said that is actually anti-Semitic. And you know what? They can't do it. Well, NBC said this. Well, CNN said that. No, 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 no. Show me a quote. Let me see a quote. I dare you to find one. And then the response was, well, when they come for you, I hope you're first. I hope you're first in line. Hope you're first for the gas chamber. Well, yeah, and this horrible. is another Jew saying this to me. Horrible thing to say. Uh, yeah, people have lost their minds over this, Mark. Uh, they've lost all sense of decorum and 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 basic decency in their conversations with each other. I, I don't know when they're going to sort of give this up, but I hope it's soon. I, I hope they, as I was saying yesterday. Just chill a little bit. It's going to be okay. The people are not going to get rounded up in camps here. There's not going to be some some horrible catastrophe that befalls the American people because Donald Trump has been elected. Everybody needs to come. Yeah, the tax rate may change a little bit. Yeah, they may tighten up a little bit on you know the borders and illegal immigration. You know, some things will change, but it's all going to be okay. He's they're going to get rid of some parts of Obamacare. Maybe other parts of it will stay for a while until they can come up with something better. This is government. This is policy. This is politics. This is not the this is not the end of the republic, but it makes me think that if Hillary had won and gotten her way, given the way that her fans react to the loss, maybe it would have been the end of the republic. The biggest, the biggest advertisement, period, for voting for Donald Trump up to this point has been the reaction of the pro-Hillary left in defeat. And to me, more than anything else, everybody who went to the polls and voted for Trump was kind of like, well, I don't know about this, and... 
I know plenty of them, and I certainly had my misgivings, though I did vote for him. Uh, see what's going on now, the marches in the streets, the way the media is treating him, the way that they're just distorting facts and the way that they're trying to create a narrative of racism and anti-Semitism and all the stuff around him and say to myself, uh, we, well, the, we don't want their person in charge. We don't want these people and the media to be determining the future of this country. So let's give it a shot. But uh, Mark in Florida, good to talk to you. I appreciate it. Uh, Buck Sexton in for Glenn Beck. Got a lot more calls, got a lot more to talk about. We will be back in just a few minutes. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven back. Mercury. Buck Sexton here in for Glenn Beck today. California, lovely place, bad politics. People have talked about California, Calexit, the California secession movement. Uh, they've been saying this is getting, is in, gathering steam ever since Trump's victory. Well, they've taken an official step as of, when was this? Uh, yesterday, I see here. Um, we have secessionists formally launching, according to the L.A. Times, a quest for California's independence. Isn't this fascinating, by the way? Because, you see, if California secedes from the union, which is not going to happen, but they're, they, they've got it on them. They're going to get a ballot measure going here. If California uh, secedes from the union, um, then what happens to the Democratic Party? They're never going to win another national election. If you, California is the anchor of all of their aspirations in the Democratic Party in this country. Without California, it's all over. They're not going to win another national election. Now, I don't think they've thought it that far through because they know it's not going to happen. But that just goes to show you what an impulsiveness is at work here with the, oh, we lost the election. Hillary's not going to be president. Let's create our own country with California. Uh, if they were to do that, it would mean that the other, the other 49 states uh, would be under Republican administrations for the foreseeable future, for decades to come, without California's electoral votes, without its population, without its members in the House of Representatives, without its, all of its political weight. It's donor base. I mean, how are Barack and Hillary and, well, whoever's going to be taking their place at the head of the Democratic Party going forward, how are they going to have $30,000 plate dinners with uh, Clooney and Lady Gaga and whoever else is, is, is cool? I don't know. Uh, Jay-Z and all the rest of the, of the fancy Hollywood folks. If Hollywood is no longer a part of the union, you'd think that they, if that was a separate country then they couldn't donate to the presidential election. So, yeah, a lot of problems with this idea. You could say, Bach, it's not serious. And I agree with you, it's not. It's, this is not going to happen. I think California would be, uh, uh, it would be an interesting place if it, was, if it was its own country. It does politically in some ways feel like it's really not its own country, like it's in another universe, like it's not actually a part of our solar system. Lovely along the beach, though. Highway 1, quite nice to drive. 
lots of, of good stuff there. Although you go inland from the coast in California and you start to think, oh, where am I? Uh, but there, the secession movement in California, I, I also recall when people would make fun of Texas and Alaska for having any sort of secession party or secession talk. I wonder if they're going to be so dismissive of these concerns, <clears throat> of these concerns in California. <clears throat> the state attorney general's office, according to the New York Times, will give the ballot measure a title and summary. And they're hoping to begin collecting signatures to get it on the ballot in the spring. So, yes, California doesn't have major financial backing, but uh, somebody who's involved with it says they've got 13,000 people who have volunteered to collect signatures. So they've got that going for them, which is nice, I guess. So California may become its own country. It's already, in a, it's already in a way, its own planet, but they may go a step further and try to get a secession movement going. I think California's going to want to stay in America. I'm just putting that out there. I don't think this would be a referendum that would go the way of the panicked collexiteers. Is that what we would call them? Um, they want to get out of there. They can't even wait to see what the administration's like. They can't even see if Trump, I don't know, maybe, maybe Trump is a moderate. Could be. We were told in the beginning of the primary when people were just making fun of the whole thing that he'd been a lifelong Democrat, right? We've got that photo of him at, uh, with Hillary, uh, Hillary and Bill at, at his wedding. Uh, maybe they should just take a little bit of a wait and see. I don't know. But no, no, no. California must be its own country, they say. I, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, everybody. All right, we've got a lot more coming up in just a few minutes. Buck Sexton in for Glenn. Stay right here. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.